Hear the good news of the gospel as it comes to us first from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth for me. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Right? No. Okay. (laughs) The word of the Lord from Matthew 2. 1 through 12. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when we rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and inquired of them, where is Christ, who was to be born? They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so I too may come and worship him. After after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our final scripture today is um, our scripture for Tuesday night when we gather together to um, celebrate Christmas Eve. But it has um, amazing ramifications for us this morning as well. Would you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60? So if you turn to the middle of your Bible, you'll probably land somewhere near the Psalms and then turn to your right. And you'll find uh, one of the, one of the um, larger prophetic books the book of Isaiah. If you are using a Red Pew Bible, you can find Isaiah 60 on page 619 of of that Pew Bible. Hear the word of God, would you, from Isaiah chapter 16. Arise and shine, 
for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord, the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba, shall come. And they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. The very word of God. Oh, thanks be to God. Well, while... What a privilege it is to come one more time to another snapshot of of how God revealed his glory little by little to people who had not yet known him. How God revealed his glory to the very low that we saw last week in in the shepherds, but also today to the, the very great as well. But as we started this portion of the story, as yet another witness comes to tell us of the Christ and of God's glory that's been poured out on him, we have to kind of cut through a lot of different stuff. We have to kind of, kind of cut through the stuff that has been added on to the story along the way. Put that first slide up if you would for me, Brendan. I want to ask you a question, if I could. How many kings came to visit the baby Jesus in the stable on the night in which he was born. Okay, some of you are, some of you are already smelling a rat. Uh, I know, um, I heard a couple words. More than one. More than one, <laughs> okay. I heard none, and, and I heard more than one. Um, isn't it interesting how much of our, uh, our understanding of the gospel we get from Christmas carols? Instead of, instead of from the Word of God. Um, it's, it's so much fun in a Christmas party to say, what exactly? You know, did Jesus never cry, really, as a baby? No, I got two grandkids. He screamed, right? He wailed, right? Because he was completely human. And how many, how many kings came? Well, well, be careful here, right? Be careful here. Um, the scripture we just read said they were magi, right? This is a different thing. This, this, these are not kings, but they are king makers. They're, they're the people that survive uh, kingdom after kingdom as it goes by. They're the people whose, whose word, if you get it on your side, then your, your chances of becoming king are so much greater. They are the wise of the culture, right? They are the wise of the culture. They weren't really kings. Now, I say that, and I'll, I'll tell you why I'm stumbling in just a second. Um, I say that, but the, our, our Matthew story tells us that, that they were magi. They were wise ones from the East, right? But that's not our only problem, right? Because 
How many magi came to visit the baby Jesus? Scripture actually says that by the time they got there, he was no longer a baby. He was a child, a young child, right? And, and you think, wait, before you throw all your Christmas carols out, he certainly was born in a stable, right? I mean, that's clear, right? Everybody's shaking their heads. I and mean, you smell rats all over this thing now. Okay. Uh, no, he was most likely born in a house. Certainly, the magi, when they got there, he was in a house. And my contention is that he was always in a house. Um, he was just in the stable portion of the house where they kept the animals in the lower floor of the house. And then, of course, so we can totally blow out this question on the night in which he was born. They very likely didn't arrive there until he was a young child and, and, and long after uh, the night that he was born. Well, wow, why, why do we get this so messed up? I think it's because, because we're so much more comfortable with the way we've always heard it than the way that the Bible says it. And our great desire as followers of Jesus is to focus on the Word, to put the Word of God first, and, and certainly not to take anything away from it, but, but we have to be careful, like in the Garden of Eden, not to add anything to it as well. Do I have, do I have three kings bearing gifts on my mantle place? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, I'm not trying to crush Christmas for you. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, let's, let's go to the Word of God for truth. Let's go there. So what actually, what actually happened in, in Matthew chapter 2? We saw together a couple of weeks ago that Luke kind of records the Christmas story, uh, the birth narratives from, from uh, the perspective of Mary, uh, Jesus' mother. And we saw, we saw uh, last week that, or two weeks ago, that, that it kind of records the story in Matthew from from Joseph's perspective, remember how Joseph in a dream was told not to divorce his wife, but to trust that this was the Christ who had come. We're back in Matthew today and hearing this phenomenal story about how God speaks to people, right? What happened? Somewhere far away, far away. Um, I, have, I, I love this kind of thing, so I've... Did a lot of research trying to say, where did these magi come from? And there's two possibilities, it looks like. Because there were not any other great kingdoms right around Israel at that time. Um, where did they come from? The word magi would lean us toward believing that they came from what was now, what was then Persia. That, that, the, the wise people who counseled the, uh, the, kings of Babylon and then later the kings of Persia who took over Babylon that somehow they had somehow discovered this truth and had made their way. And, and it's very possible that, that that was true. Why do I say that? Because if you remember the story in Daniel, when Daniel was taken from Israel and, and taken to in 500 in 86 BC, taken to Babylon, he was taken into the king's residence. And there were these people there at that time called, guess what, Magi, who counseled the king. And Daniel and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego, they all surpassed the wisdom of the Magi of that day. And so they were made, guess what, they were made to be Magi in that culture. Pastor David, we're... 
586 years later, right? This is way past that time. I don't know for certain. But I know that wisdom was passed down from my great-great-grandparents to my grandparents, my great-grandparents, to my parents, to me, right? I don't know, but that the hope and the truth of God's promises to the nation of Israel weren't passed down in those magi as well. Many people speculate that, um, let's, be, let's be honest, these, these magi were astrologers. They were astrologers, right? They looked to the stars, first in astronomy, to try and understand the times and the seasons, right? But pretty quickly they begin to identify um, and draw hope from the stars. Now, before you get too mad at me, hold on, I'm going to come back and try and redeem myself. But it's believed that they assign different constellations to different known kingdoms, right? And they develop this whole understanding of the night sky as an expression of their world. I'm not saying that that's true. I'm saying that's what they believed, right? And so they had assigned to Judea a constellation, right? And and in something that I cannot explain, some heavenly phenomenon happened in that constellation. It could have been a supernova. It could have, it could have been a shooting star. It could have been an angelic presence. But God chose to reveal himself to them in a way that they would understand. And their interpretation was, there has been a king born in Judea. Let's go. Let's go. And whether they came from Persia, 800 miles away, 40 days journey, or as Isaiah, and we'll explore this again Christmas Eve, as Isaiah seemed to understand they came from Sheba, 1,500 miles away, right? This great distance, they made the journey so that they could discover for themselves the Christ child. You know the story. They saw this phenomenon, and then what you might not realize is that it disappeared. And for at least 40 days, they saw nothing. And so what they did was made their way to the capital of Judea. They made their way to that place where they expected the king to be. But, but he wasn't there, right? This, this, now not three kings, probably 70 to 100 people, this entourage, possibly with military escort, makes its way into the capital city of Israel. And then they just say to the existing king, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? If you know anything about Herod, many of you studied this this morning in your Bible studies, He was insane. He killed his own children. He killed his own wife because he was afraid that they would usurp his throne. And they came to Herod and said, where is the new king, right? Try that. Try that. Wives, go home to your husbands and say, where's my new husband? See how that flies, okay? Uh, um, And they're not Herod. Don't do that, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Joe Mama didn't raise no fool, did Aaron? <laughs> um, no. Um, Herod shrewdly, shrewdly says, um, well, w- called together his religious people and said, uh, uh, is there supposed to be a new king? Yeah, where would he be born? 
And the religious leaders of the day said, quoted the scripture that you read from Micah and, and said, well, it's in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, right? Bethlehem, the Bethlehem you know. That's where the new king will be born. And so, so this jealous king said to, said to them, would you go and make diligent search for this king? And, 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 and if you find him, would you come back and tell me so that I too may worship him? I feel like Paul Harvey, right? We know the rest of the story, right? We know the rest of the story. It's not, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Um, Herod consigned them to go and make a diligent search and find him and to come back and tell him so that he could kill the, the young king, the young child. Well, something amazing happened right there. After 40 days of not seeing the star, the star or whatever this phenomenon was reappeared. And, and it's, a, it's phenomenal what the word, the Bible cannot express it well enough with exceedingly great joy, right? Uh, they, they were so overjoyed because they had been a 40-day journey on the hope of what they might find. And for 40 days, they hadn't seen anything. And now this star, this phenomenon led them the six miles from from Jerusalem to Bethlehem so that they too might find the Christ child. I want to think with you for just a couple moments about the kinds of people that were present right there um, on that day because I'm, I'm going to guess that nothing has changed. Human nature hasn't changed, has it? That nothing has changed. And the same kind of people are present with us today. Right? Who, who was it that was present on that, amazing, on that amazing night? There were people there who trusted in political power. There were people there, like Herod, who trusted in political power and, and used politics to advance their own agenda. And, and I want to suggest to you that, that we can never put our hope, beloved, in politics, it's so tempting, is it not? I mean, we're right in the middle of throes of phenomenal political stuff going on right now. And it's so tempting to put our trust in one side or the other, right? To put our hope in politics, right? Um, uh, but politics will never give you a savior, right? You can't by your own conniving or even by majority vote somehow place the king on his throne. And as we'll see in the coming couple of sessions that um, Herod failed miserably and caused a lot of pain and suffering as a result. But there were also people there that night who, who trusted in the status quo. Did you see that, that passage? There was Herod was very troubled by the coming of the Magi, right? But, but not only Herod but all Jerusalem, in verse 3, was troubled with him. Why would Jerusalem, the city of the great king, be, be troubled that, that the Messiah had come, that, that the 400 years of silence had been broken? Why would they be troubled? Because you know what? Sometimes we just get really used to the status quo. We get really used to the status quo, and even though 
it's not nice or it's not good. At least we know it, right? And we don't want to upset the apple cart. And I'm wondering if maybe the people of Jerusalem said, yeah, we've had Messiahs come and go. But I've got myself carved out a little niche in this current culture. And I'm going to stick with that, right? Herod didn't go out to see for himself. The people of Jerusalem didn't go out to see for themselves. Even even the religious leaders didn't go out. Those who trusted in, in their religious reputations, right? They didn't go out. Oh yeah, Herod called them and said, where is he to be born? Uh, um, he's to be born in Bethlehem. There are 70 to 100 People of great wealth coming great distance to come see this king who has been born. Did it change them? Did they go with him? No. They didn't, right? They had found a way. And I understand this completely, right? I, I love putting God in boxes. I love saying God is going to behave this way and he's going to behave this way all the time, right? And, I'm, and God, as long as you stay in your box, I'll worship you, right? And then God just explodes out of that thing, right? He explodes he, out of it. Are you willing to risk your reputation? Are you willing to risk your reputation, your comfort, even your political power on, on some yet unproven Messiah? Fortunately, there was one other kind of person there that night in Jerusalem. There were people who had gone great distance to come and bow before the true king and to worship him. Oh, yeah. Were they astrologers? Oh, yeah. Did you notice the kinds of people that that Jesus reveals himself to? They don't fit our religious category. They They don't dress right. They don't smell right. They don't act right, right? But our God is greater than any obstacle that we put in in our way. And I love this about him. And and this is the best I can do, you guys, on this. He reveals himself in the way that we're looking, right? Is God into astrology? No. I don't want to step on any toes, but we don't have any business looking to the stars for direction, right? And you know, I don't... I hate to bust anybody's bubble. You know that there's a guy in a cubicle somewhere who writes all those things, right? I mean, there, there's no great wisdom in that. There's somebody just writing those things. But I love it about God that he, they were looking to the stars and he revealed himself to them. God, God reveals himself to those who look, to those who seek. And, and when he revealed himself, they... They got it together. That's why it took so long. It was a long journey, at least 40 days, possibly an 80-day journey. But it took a while to get ready for that. That's why they were there so late to the party, right? It took a while to get there. Um, but they sought him, and, they, and, and when they found him, they bowed down and worshipped him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do this Advent season? It's, it's ironic, but... Herod's words, maybe God's word to us, go seek him. And, and when you find him, tell other people about him, right? Tell other people about him. Oh, my great prayer for you 
is that God would grant you courage to bow before him and to worship him this holy season. And just like John and Lisa and their beautiful family as they brought their child to Christ, maybe as you worship him, others will be brought to him as well. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the courage, God, of these magi who, who came before you, who bowed low before you and who worshipped you. Thank you, God, that you take the testimony of one precious life and, and you honor, you bring honor and glory to Jesus through it. Oh, may it be true now, God, through these young men. Maybe it true, may it be true in us this Advent season as we worship you. We ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. I'm going to invite the Haynes family to come forward one more time. Oh my gosh, what a year. This has been an unbelievable test of faith. Did God answer our prayers? He did. He did. I don't understand it. I'm not just talking about Riley, right? I'm talking about all of us. We cried out to him. We needed him, didn't we? Do you remember that living room floor that day? We needed him. If you don't know our story, a precious child of God was diagnosed with leukemia, lymphoma, lymphoma excuse me, and lymphoma, and, um, and underwent all kinds of, of uh, treatment. I shared with you at that time when we had gotten a diagnosis like that as well, how we cried out to God and how God delivered. And I'd hoped at that time that it would be encouragement to you. Um, but now you have your own... <laughs> story, right? And we don't know what the future holds. All we do know is at this moment you are cancer-free. Amen? Well, a long time ago, I don't know if you remember, but Sarah Cannon uh, led uh, a class. Do you remember that? Every Sunday morning, you guys were so faithful in being there. And you learn through the Apostles' Creed these deep truths about who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, and who Jesus is. And I know at that time you were, you were asking, is this, is this the time? And it wasn't apparently the time at that point. But it is now. It is now. Is it your desire, Dylan and Riley, is it your desire to honor God through the sacrament of baptism? Is it? I've got to ask you some questions, okay? They're going to sound really familiar because we asked them a little while ago, but now I'm not asking your parents. You're so blessed to have these parents, to have these sisters who surrounded you. I know they beat you up when you were young. (laughs) But you're so blessed, amen? You are blessed. Riley, Dylan, 
Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God? I'm going to get out of your way just for a second. And Savior of sinners. And do you receive and depend upon Him alone for your salvation as He is offered in the Gospel? Do you? Do you now promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live lives as becomes a follower of Jesus, do you? Do you promise to serve Christ and His church by participating with the body of Christ in service to God, in ministry to others to the best of your ability, do you? May God give you the ability to keep those promises. Congregation, we've watched these little termites grow up, haven't we? And I only say termites because I have you to protect me if they come after me. But what a privilege now to offer to the Lord, not, not children, but, um, but young men who have chosen to bow their hearts before the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, do we covenant with them and with their families to support and nurture them? They're, they're going to face untold challenges. They have faced untold challenges. And, and these guys surrounded you and upheld you, didn't they? God's not done with them yet, right? Do we covenant before God to support this family, to encourage them in their walks with Jesus Christ until that day when we all stand together in glory and hear God say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Do we? Let's pray together. I thank you for these men. Thank you that before they were ever dawns or Christmas, God, they were yours. And you set them apart for your holy purpose. We don't pretend to understand what that would be, God. But we trust you. And we will rejoice with exceedingly great joy as the purpose of their lives unfolds before us. But now, God, we set them apart for your holy purpose. We join as their spiritual family with their nuclear family and set them apart for service to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you two will turn, well, if you two will kneel right where you are on the carpet. Dylan Haynes, it's my privilege as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God, even as the waters of baptism flow from his head, I pray that the love and mercy of Jesus would flow from his heart. I pray that you would use Dylan, God, to bring many to an awareness of who you are, that you would bless the vulnerable, you'd bless many who desperately wonder if anyone cares, that you would use him, God, to accomplish your glorious purposes. And God, we set him apart in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Oh my gosh, Riley, we prayed.
And I wish I had more faith. I wish I could have said at that point, I know this is going to happen. Oh, I wanted it to happen, right? I wanted it desperately to happen. But God heard our cry. And he delivered you physically. But God wants not just your body bowed as it is before him today. He wants your soul and he wants your spirit. And Dylan, so it is my great privilege to baptize you, child of God, today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, thank you for this precious man. Thank you that you delivered him. God, thank you that you before the foundation of the world, set him apart for your holy purpose. Fill him, even now, with your Holy Spirit, God, that many would see you in him. And God, we will look forward with joy to see how you're going to use this precious life for your glory. We set him apart for that holy purpose now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Group hug.